0: welcome to the nfl stock exchange podcast in this episode we're moving on to the defensive side of the football for summer scouting we're talking about interior defensive linemen there are a lot of good interior defensive linemen i'm not gonna lie to you guys last year it was kind of a struggle coming up with our top fives for the position going into the season this year definitely not the case we got a lot of guys that we're going to talk about a lot of players who have top 50 first round potential it's great conversation we're going to be our top fives and so much more i'm trevor sikama with me as always is connor rogers let's ring the bell Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Then That is Connor Rogers with a new background in a new spot coming off of a fresh move this week here to talk to you guys about interior defensive linemen. We're going through the summer scouting series. We're going to give you our top five preseason interior defensive linemen, for the 2024 NFL draft class. But... This is a pretty deep class, so we're going to talk about a lot more than just the five that we're going to mention in our ranking. So it's going to be another extensive deep dive type of an episode. But Connor, how was the move, my friend? You made it. You got a little you got a little decoration behind you. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. The mo- the move is good. Thanks for asking. The most
1: temporary uh, setup I could possibly have. I was like, OK, let me put my corner bookshelf up behind me and then fire up the mic. I don't even have my actual normal camera running right now. We'll get that too. I got one light working for me. So this is a little bit of a bootleg stock exchange episode. It feels good to be back in our roots here. A little bootleg action. But everything's good, man. I got to grind through the D line. As Soon as I got Internet, like as soon as the Verizon guy left, it was like, all right, dude, it's been fun. But I got to go watch about 12 defensive linemen in the interior, the beef right now.
0: It's the beef factory time. I uh I didn't know if we were gonna get to this episode because you told me you, that you were moving a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh shoot, I don't know if we can get to yeah. it. But you know, you're a man of the people. Yeah, you you you, you tirelessly worked. You slept in the office to make this That's one it. happen. So there's a cot next do... to me. We... I don't even it's all literally in front of <laughs> me. It's like my
1: desk and then like six boxes, maybe seven boxes. The TV's not up, it's just against the couch right here in this little office. I do have the beer fridge plugged in. Oh, of course. Got... Beer fridge course. is plugged in. There's about yeah six beers in there right now so and and, you know i didn't want to do white wall like i'm being held hostage style i knew that would concern our listeners to go from the classic brick to oh my god is somebody kidnapping him and forcing him to talk about idl 9 in the 2024 (laughs) nfl draft so we at least have something working for today
0: people would have been like is that a green screen like is that the zoom screen i can't tell is that an actual wall i can't tell here but i don't know you know now we're in a race because i've been back in charlotte now f- since february and i don't have jack shit behind me so and now we're in a race for like who could actually set up something behind I'm me. my second go.
1: place since you've now moved from there and you i'm trying to
0: beat you yeah i have a I, if people can see maybe in the corner door. Or, i don't know if they can see i do have a door yeah it's a closet door which is probably just full of crap but like there is a little Tampa Bay Buccaneers stocking that is like up here out. It's in the top out. left corner. So I don't know if Ryan has the camera all the way zoomed speaking out. Speaking of speaking, the Bucks, out, Yeah, speaking of the Bucks, thank you for bringing this up. Yeah, I need lovely. to shout out Jared because Jared, if you guys remember from last year, he is a diehard sex addict, fan of the pod. And he yeah, was he's the addicted. one who simulated our under 25 teams in Madden Happy price, got your happy price, Priceline. My team whooped Connor's candy ass last year, and it was just an abomination. It was classic Madden. And I am here to happily announce mm-hmm. that we went back to back, baby. All of those people who hammered that your team, that you had the better team for the under twenty five, which oh, was Mad's overwhelming, by the way. I think you got like 75, 80% of the votes that you the had comments the
1: comment section, they, I even saw some comments. that. The best part is I, re, I think I read one or two comments that were like, man, I really like Trevor's my guy, actually. Like, fuck Connor, <laughs> but like his team is better. Like, that, that was, that that was, was my like, dad, actually. That was my dad was, who said that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like thanks like thanks i'd rather it be the opposite way i actually wish you liked me and hated my team
0: so i don't that think it was, was nice. a shot on you it was maybe like bucks people who were listening to that's it like, fair. that's fair that's normally my guy but uh listen cheeks. <laughs> listen when it came to the field when it came to getting out there on the field as trevor lawrence my quarterback on that very team says the game ain't played on paper baby i think 31 to 28 was the final score? This, this was a one? much
1: closer game. I remember last year, my team threw I think eight interceptions, and I lost
0: by two or three touchdowns. I no. lose by a field goal. You had you had Jalen Hurts. I had Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence four touchdowns. Look at my guy out here.
1: Well, here's the thing. What if you want to know why it's rigged right away? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah sure, Not being a sore sure. loser. Yeah, get it out of the way. Let's yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me how my leading risk pass catcher as I'm looking at this is Pat Fryermuth <laughs> on a team that I drafted Jamar Chase. Oh, no. did you have Chase?
0: I had Chase. You had Chase. You had CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddell, uh, Justin, Je- Justin oh, Jefferson. Oh, Justin Jefferson's not on the stat sheet. Locked up.
1: Yeah, that's what it was. Justin Jefferson had two Ooh, catches God, for 27 Jefferson. yards. Ooh, I mean, what? What? what is going on here? Micah Parsons, non-factor in the game. I mean,
0: I can't even remember I just, who I
1: had. Leave it to leave it to Madden, where Friarmouth goes off after I invested all my resources into edge and wide receiver. <laughs> True, truly, great stuff here. we love to see it.
0: I got who who locked up Jefferson. Yeah, what who did, did
1: you up? even have at corner? Didn't I have the better corners? I had Sauce. You had, and had Tan. Sauce.
0: You had Sertan. You had Trayvon Diggs. Those were your three. I had J.C. Horn, Tariq Woolen, and Tyson Campbell. So all I got to say is that somebody came to play, baby. I mean, is... J.C. Horn was on him. Here we are he again. On. He was on Here him. Here we he are him. again. That's just another year cake. of it rigged. He was on him. All right, so anyway. Yeah, it's, rig- it's rigged. It's fine.
1: It's fine. It's...
0: Yeah, so big shout out to Jared. Uh, really You're appreciate it, no, Jared. No, no taking all the time to put our players into those two Madden teams. Um, You know, even a you know, a little bit of a special home flair with my team being the bucks, your team being the jets. So it's, we absolutely love it when you guys go above and beyond and do that kind of stuff. It's what makes this podcast, this draft community, this listenership, everything. It makes it so cool when you guys do stuff like that and kind of bring it to life. So we really appreciate that. And all the hard work that uh, Jared put into it, as well as anybody who does really cool stuff like that. Um, But anyways, let's dig into it. Let's get into those interior defensive linemen. Connor didn't grind his brand new internet for nothing, folks. We are giving you our top fives for this interior defensive line class. But as you know, if the class is deep enough, we'll give you our thoughts on plenty more guys that are even outside of the top five. So, Connor, with that said, take the floor, my friend. We got a number five in this class. How about the last guy or second to last guy, I would call
1: it. I watched sneaking into the top five here, right okay. at five and with a, with a really nice ceiling to grow further than that. Somebody you and I have talked a lot about off the air, and that would be Clemson's Rook Aroro. What a name, by Ingr- the way.
0: Incredible name. Incredible, incredible name.
1: name. Rook Arororo, yep. who is now a redshirt senior, six foot four, 289. Um, somebody that basically the story with him is only played two years of high school football. This is nuts to me, Trevor. He was the first Clemson signing out of the state of Michigan since 1975. So a total. What? Yeah, I saw that on their on their website, too. And I was like, really? Like, oh, I, I mean, it makes sense in a sense that Clemson gets so much talent from the South, obviously, sure. it, when you're pulling into really far out of state, you could be going into California, you could be going into Texas, whatever it may be. But still, that was really out there. Something cool to see. Mm -hmm. Um, A dude that I believe he moved here, I want to say from Nigeria when he was nine. So the the late football background, his story really is that he got on the field the year that Brian Brzee lost his entire season. Brzee's second to last season when Brzee got hurt. That's when Rook got to start to play. And then last year, he was an established starter. So finished 2022, 28 tackles, eight tackles for a loss, four sacks. Uh, he broke up five passes as well. They play him, and I'm sure you noticed this right away, really up and down the defensive line. Yeah, He plays, They'll and you know, once again, a, a unique build in that he's six foot four, 289, but they'll play him at nose and shade nose. They'll play him all the way out wide at defensive end. They'll kick him all over the different interior and linemen as well. So, and it's not that, It's just cool that's what he does he's actually pretty effective in those different roles that's what stood out to me i was like okay he he understands and you and i have kind of selfishly dunked on this scheme now i think for two years in a row because Mm -hmm. and it's nothing clemson's a really good program and they obviously pay their coaching staff as much as anybody for a reason it's just the fact that when you're evaluating draft prospects we feel like this is a defensive scheme at times that doesn't always let those players rack up the production that they could to their strengths. It's more, you know, obviously all for the benefit of the team. This is something we've talked about with Miles Murphy. We've talked about this with Trenton Simpson. We've talked about this with Brzee before. So I think with Rook, that's something to take into account. And one of the things I wrote down is the production has just been okay. He has not had that kind of year or that kind of win rate where you look at it and go, this dude is filling the stat sheet. He's tearing it up. But when you turn on the film, Uh, He can really fire off the ball. He can shoot into gaps. Even at being about 11 pounds away from 300, he can play skinny. He can play athletic. I thought when he was chasing down, escaping quarterbacks, it's really interesting to see the ability to kind of uh, flip his hips a little bit and the ankle flexion and the ability to turn. I wouldn't call it exactly running the full hoop because that's not fair to expect of a guy that's almost 300 pounds. But He can turn the corner a little bit when he needs to. And at that size, it really stood out to me. Hands are very, very fast and active to make sure he doesn't get stuck on blocks. He never wants to get stuck on his blocks. He really understands how to use uh, his hands and gain leverage and work off blockers for effort plays or for outright wins. So this guy was number five for me in a class that I think a lot of guys you know, I moved a couple people off right away that that we're going to talk about on this show. But I think it was a tough decision to move them out of that top five. But I thought he was worth it. And I think he's also somebody that, in my opinion, credit to him for opting to go back to school. Because clearly he had the eligibility to declare. If you search him, uh, he was given a an accepted, I believe, a Senior Bowl invite last year as well. So this I is somebody... It. Yeah, so this is somebody that could have went through the all star process last year. He opted to go back to school and really improve on his stock. Brzee out the door, Miles Murphy out the door. I, I think the snap count will obviously be uh, will be significantly high for Clemson this year. I think mm-hmm. the production can turn up now that he has a couple more years of football under his belt and he's starting to use those athletic tools to become a playmaker, not just a disruptor, but a total playmaker. So, I really like the row, row, row. Uh, And think that he can be a big riser this year with what's put, what's going to be put on his plate in that Clemson defense.
0: Yeah. He's, you know, you and I had this conversation before we hit record and we try to not do the podcast before the podcast. So we always try to limit, you know, our conversations as we're going through the guys that, you know, we're about to bring up just to make sure we didn't miss anybody glaring. And if we did to just be aware of that before we start the show, but you and I were chatting about how many guys we had in this group who, we felt were top eight top nine in the class you, we call them priority watches is what you and yeah I and and last year it got me to just thinking about how you've got a row a row at five i have him at six but when i think about the interior defensive line class for last year just to give people an idea i'm looking at the summer scouting ranking that i had for the interior defensive line class last year jalen carter Brian Brzee, Siaki Ika, obviously, Kalija Kansi hadn't really come on yet. So we, right. we didn't have him in there. Adatamiwa um, Keanu Benton, like those guys were kind of throughout the season ads that were within the top five. But, you know, I had Mike Morris from Michigan, Moro Jomo from Texas, Gervin Dexter from Florida. But shoot, man, if I would have watched last year's interior defensive line class and then thrown what we've seen from a row a row right now i might have him as d-line two right. behind behind jalen carter right i might have had him a year ago from now if we would have put him in that same situation i probably would have had him as like dt2 or dt3 going into the year I, yeah i and mean to,
1: to, you to, you and i were really hoping we were projecting Brzee. we hadn't really seen it take but, off right, yet right so when you factor in that you're right trevor that the back end of this class has already been maybe more productive than the higher
0: end of that class, and that's why, like it, it it's going to be an exciting year. I think to need an interior defensive lineman. I, I don't think you're you're not going to get anybody like the way that we talked about Jalen Carter as being a potential top five pick. I don't I don't see certainly from the group that we watch from these guys. I don't know if there's anybody who's going to reach that kind of ceiling, but there are a ton of players who I could see as back end of the first round, early second round, or just day two overall defensive tackles that we get way more of those players from this class, even from what we're seeing in summer scouting. And Oroboros is a great example of that. And there's a couple of other players that, that we'll get to that. I want to make sure that I mention since he's six for me, you know, you mentioned the measurables, he's six foot four. Now he's around 290 pounds. He was a defensive end prospect coming into Clemson, which, also fortifies kind of your argument of what you said where Clemson. Clemson, it feels like over the last couple of years, has just drafted athletes and said, hey, we're going to draft you because you're insanely athletic, and then we're going to kind of figure it out later, or we're going to make the most athletic front we possibly can. So it's not going to look as traditional as you might want from other evaluations that you're going to do during the summer. But when you take into account that he was about 270 coming into clemson now he's gained 20 pounds and they moved him from an edge player to more of an interior player although i think the versatility again that you mentioned is a big plus for him that is good background information to see how he plays he gets blown up against double teams right i mean he's he's, he doesn't have the sand in the pants if you will he's he's a lighter player middleweight in the heavyweight arena Yeah, when you watch him, even when he's doing a little corkscrew technique, you know, trying to put the knee down and try to take on the double teams, he's going to get blown off the ball. He's not this one-tech, three-technique defensive tackle that you can always just put on the interior and know that he's going to be serviceable for you no matter what. If he's playing at an interior spot, you want him attacking. You want to say to him, pick a gap, get across the face, swim, move them, swipe the hands, do whatever you need to do to try to get in the backfield, go make a tackle, whether it's a run player, go get a sack if it's the quarterback. And when you focus on that part of his strengths, there's no doubt about it. He is somebody who is really fun to watch. The, the motor never quits on this guy either. And that's what he I plays love hard. about him. Yeah, he, he plays, plays hard. Super hard. I think he's really slippery when it comes to blocks, right? Even if he goes straight up into guys and it's like, all right, you're clearly losing this battle for power. He'll very, you know, he'll always be working to get to that half man and attack half of the shoulder to where all of a sudden you would have said maybe a second ago in that rep okay, this offensive lineman's going to beat a row here. He's going to block him up. And then he just gets loose and all of a sudden he's behind him. And you go, hey, how did that happen? And I think that just goes to how slippery he is, how much of a worker he is, how fast the hands are, and how much better he is getting at uh, at shedding blocks. So I I had him at number six just because it is kind of tough to say you're going to put him on the field no matter what because of how light he is and interior defensive lineman. If you are a very versatile multiple front, you might prioritize him really well, but I still think that right now that's probably more of a day two type of a player that I'm describing than some of the other guys who I think you could make a case for, for being day one guys. So I had him at number six. So I had him pretty close to how you had him. Did you watch Michael Hall on on Ohio state? I did. Yeah. So I had, I have Michael Hall at
1: five. Okay, yeah. oh, wow. We did not plan that. This is perfect. Do you Go have him in four? No, I don't have him in my top five, but everything we just, the conversation we just had with Rook can at times be fitting to Michael Hall in 100%. terms of, I, I wrote down, so I didn't have Michael Hall in my top five and I'm I'm going to literally give the floor to you in three seconds, but mm. I wrote down like a little note in the bottom of all my other notes. Can he be this year's Kalijah Cansey?
0: Yes, so that is kind of what we're talking about here with Michael Hall Jr. Ohio State's uh defensive tackle prospect who I have at number 5 who I I lost sleep over who I was going to put at 5 between Rook and no I but it was it was close it really was these two guys are pretty similar and I ended up giving the nod to Hall because I do think he's a little bit better right now, or at least shows more of a straight line path to becoming potentially that Kalei type player where you go, okay, you're small, but you're so disruptive. I, 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 I gotta have you on my football team. And right. I think, I think there's a little, if you, if you ask me personally and clearly you as well, cause you didn't have him in your top five. When I initially watched Michael Hall, I did not have him in my top five. I had him around like seven, like six. And I actually went back to kind of watch him a second time. And the reason why is because there's a lot of people out there who are talking very highly of Michael Hall. Oh, yeah. Like top 15, DT1 type of labels. And I did not see that type of player. No. But I did go back and I watched a couple of more games of him. And it's it was sparing. They need to, I, I, I'm excited to see him probably play a full season, maybe even double the snaps that he got last year. But when you look at his measurables, Ohio State's got him listed at six foot two, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. So that would be the 25th percentile if he does show, if he does measure in at six foot two. And 285 would be the 70, or sorry, the seventh percentile. I believe when I was talking to Kansi last year, he said he played close to 285, but he was cutting weight and he kind of was more down to 280 to be extremely explosive when he was at the combine. So I think he said that he played 285, if I'm remembering correctly, but he was somewhere around that range. So he was a four-star. Michael Hall was a four-star defensive tackle prospect, Um, ended up choosing Ohio State over Cincinnati, Maryland, Penn State. Um, Redshirt his first year. And then ended up becoming kind of this rotational player um, the next couple of seasons. I did think this was noteworthy because we're going to talk about Michael Hall's speed, explosiveness, and quick twitch. I don't know how true this is, right? I wasn't there. I'm not the one gathering the data. But... In a recent Ohio State football zebra report, which is the speed test, right? I believe it's the the equipment that they wear when they're on the field practicing. Hall was the fastest player on the defensive side of the ball during spring practices, maxed out at 21.4 miles per hour, which would be stupid. That's insanity. For a player who is 285. Five sacks in 2022, 16 pressures, which was a 9.9... Pass first win percentage. He's kind of got a little bit of a bowling ball build to him, and that allows him to be pretty low at the snap. You know, six foot two, you go, eh, all right, and the measurables aren't so great. But of course, you've got a, there's two sides to every coin, right? Okay, you're not the biggest guy in the world, but low man wins. Leverage is king in the trenches. So when you are smaller, you're hoping that that gives you some natural leverage, and it definitely does for Michael Hall. I think the swim move is absolutely devastating at times. You know, he he has a couple of clips, well, more than a couple, I should say, throughout the season where the ball is snapped, his hands go up, the offensive lineman's hands go up, and then all of a sudden, Hall is swiping them away and swimming, and the offensive lineman is just whiffing at air within the blink of an eye. And those are the plays that you go, holy cow, that's special. That's special stuff. The reaction time the hand quickness the body quickness to be able to shoot those gaps swipe those hands swim over interior offensive linemen and get into the backfield so again the way that we talked about Aurora, row if you are having him in a tack mode one gap penetrator that is what michael hall is going to do best for you i am worried about how often he can be a three down defensive lineman at the NFL level, because he very clearly got overwhelmed by power when he was in a situation when not even getting double teamed. I would say when he was in a situation where you knew he wasn't given the attack mode assignment where it was like, Hey, we're in a four down front, hold the line scrimmage. It's first and 10. They're going to run the ball. He's getting moved. He's getting moved off the line scrimmage. And then if you, you know, you talk about combo blocks, if he's, aligned as a three technique he's washed. getting blown off the ball he, he got washed totally washed off the off the line of scrimmage so there are power parts of his game and just overall weight parts of his game that I'm worried about you don't want to make a living betting on players to be Kalija Kansi and we even talk about Kalija Kansi right now and he hasn't played it down in the NFL right. Kansi has not even answered these questions at, yet and I, I see people saying like oh this is going to be this year's can't see any. haven't even hasn't even done anything yet. Right? He was a first round pick. He's a top 20 pick. So I think that's the bar that people are comparing him to, but you don't even know how successful it's going to be. The Aaron Donald mold, it's basically one of one. Anybody else who's ever been close to the weight that Aaron Donald is that plays on the interior defensive line is too small to play the position. And, yeah, it's so like pretty much him and Michael Bennett, right? Right. And I'm I'm worried about. Hall for that reason. Just does he have the ability to be strong at the line of scrimmage, hold up better against double teams, hold up better against just power blocking concepts? Because the rest of that pass rushing profile is there, and I think it's a little bit further along, and I think it's even a little bit quicker than it is for a row or row. That's why with those two guys kind of similar, I gave the nod to Michael Hall to get into that five spot.
1: I'm with you. I mean, obviously, we just kind of had them flipped in a sense, but. I had a lot of good things to say about him. I mean, I wrote down extremely explosive and loose. It was interesting that three of his five sacks were on third and long. They really let him just pin his ears back and, and fire away. And it's, it's strength. he's he's going to win. Um, he, he knows how to use his elusiveness, which you said. For the lack of mass and power that he has, uh, you know, against the run. He's got quick feet. He's got the swim move. I wrote that down. Like you said, he even has a spin move there. It's just interesting. Only 257 snaps last year. I wrote down injuries, limitations, or both, and it feels like both. He
0: he had a bunch of
1: injuries. I remember he was hurt. Yeah, yeah, he
0: was definitely hurt, and that's it. That's something that people are like bringing to the table, which is like, okay, it's I can only evaluate rough. what I can evaluate. If you want to sit here and say that he's going to be a completely different player and a completely different run defender when and he's great. fully healthy, you can say that, but it's hard for me to think it's going to be that different than what we saw on there especially for how good of a pass rusher he was because clearly he was healthy enough to be that good of a pass rusher right so i don't think it can be totally one or the other so yeah.
1: so that brings me to number four who is um this is your from georgia
0: oh wow nice
1: and we are getting a totally different conversation than the one we just had yeah. compared to ororo and michael hall Stackhouse, I came away from watching this dude on the Georgia defensive line, 6'3", 327, he's a senior. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and I'm just like, man, he could play in the NFL today. And it's not gonna be an overwhelming amount of versatility that he brings to the table for you, but he is a very stout, immovable nose tackle. That does it in the SEC. He is doing it against top flight competition. They are not moving him off the ball. He clears out a ton of space for everybody else in that Georgia defense. I just wrote down with Stackhouse, uh, you know, former four-star recruit that has had to be patient because he's been in defensive line rooms that include but are not limited to Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt. uh, And I don't know if people remember, those guys all went in the first round. So with Stackhouse, it feels like He might be this day two guy that doesn't have the full package like some of those guys did, but he is so stout, Trevor, and so strong and powerful. I wrote down he's a giant detour to running back pathways. Like It feels like the man is just a big orange detour sign, and you don't get any credit for that in the stat sheet, but the amount of times he's two-gapping, he's eating space, he's not getting moved, he's winning at the point of attack, and a running back goes oh, shit, I need to go to a different alley. That's something, number one, usually is a tackle for a loss for his teammate, and two, is a disruptor of the play, and that is something Stackhouse is so, so good at. I also wrote, away from the physical profile, right, like he's 6'3", he's 327, he's huge, you can't move him. He has a really good feel for what the blocking assignment is trying to do to him, mm-hmm. and I was like, that is the brain with the brawn, he kind of always knew when somebody was trying to reach him or cut him off or trick him into going one way, he's just a very heady player against the run. And when you have that much physical ability against the run, but you also know how to diagnose not only what the running back wants to do, but what the blocking assignment in front of you wants to do, that's how you make a lot of plays against the run or help your teammates make plays for the run at the NFL level. I wrote surprising quick feet and hips considering the mass he carries. I'm not yes. saying this dude yes. is Von Miller, but there was a couple of times where I was like, "Damn, he's moving pretty well on those light feet, and and you know turning pretty well for that amount of size he has." The bottom line with Stackhouse and why he's maybe not in the NFL today and why he's number four on my list, which is still in this group, number four is something to be proud about. It, the pass rush is non-existent right now, Trevor. It's not, I, and there's flashes, right? But I'm talking about over the long stretch. I mean, this is a guy that had a 2.9 percent win rate yeah they don't really ask him to do it he's he's the classic hold the point of attack eat space clog let everybody else have the fun so maybe he does get more opportunity to do that this year that really helps his draft stock but as a run defender as a nitty-gritty tough guy in the trenches that helps everybody else on first and second down i loved stackhouse i looked at him and said honestly out of my top five as I stare at it right now I might be the most comfortable putting him in an NFL training camp today it's close between him and number one but he I just I want to make it clear that's how good he is at the thing
0: he does best which is defending the run yeah no I so man I I love that you have him at four I don't have him anywhere close to four but we see him pretty similarly. Like I have him kind of in the back part of my top 10, but I have him that low just because I don't think he's ever going to become a pass rusher. Like, he probably isn't, you know, this is, this is the Jordan Davis role that he is now playing, but the difference is he's not as big or as strong as Jordan Davis and I think that a lot of people looked at Jordan Davis and they kind of had a little bit of the same conversation you know it was a little bit easier because when you looked at Jordan Davis he physically just looked completely different with his size but Davis was somebody who you is, is not going to be this like polished finesse in the backfield one gap penetrating pass rusher he's just not but he just became so valuable as a two gapping anchor in the middle that you had to give him value because of how that had a ripple effect on the rest of the defense. I don't know if Stackhouse is going to be that type of dominant player, but there's no doubt that I think our strengths and weaknesses of, of this guy is going to read exactly the same. He is so stout in run defense. He had almost a 30% positively graded run, run defense plays last season, which means like when this guy was asked to hold the point of attack and does it, He's holding the point of attack from a zero, a one, a two I, a three technique, like whatever it is, he's not giving it up. And those are alignments where you face a lot of double teams. You have to hold your own. And he does. So well. if you try to single block this guy with a guard or a center, he is holding you with one arm fully extended at will. And he is just peering into the backfield, right. staring at the running back going, It doesn't matter. Pick pick which way you want to go, left or right. I'm going to tackle you. So with, with that being said, how much value do you put in a player like that if you believe you can get that type of impact from that guy all the time? Because then you're forcing offensive lines to say, "Okay, here's our here's our rushing attack plan this week. The double teams have to start with stack house, So we're probably going to occupy two of our interior offensive linemen to stack house at all times. Well, that's a ripple effect. Right. Then you're winning gaps. You're winning a lot more gaps. Then you can be more free to bring blitzers in at the linebacker level, the secondary, the safety level. So if you believe that you are getting that kind of value consistently from him, then he doesn't get washed out as just another run defender in the league. I'm a little worried that he's not going to give that pass rush that you're ever going to want from a player like that. But if you're a defense that's looking to add an odd front nose, this is your dude. Yes, you probably won't find many other players who have the ability to do it like Stackhouse does. I have him in um, Cincinnati's Dante Corleone pretty sim- pretty close uh, outside of my top five. And Corleone is the same way. He is a massive, strong run defender in the middle. He had an elite run defense grade last year. He was actually, let me make sure I give him his flowers here because he deserves them. He had a, this is Dante Corleone now, 93.5 overall grade, which was first in the FBS among all defensive linemen last year and a 94.4 run defense grade, which was again, first in the FBS for all defensive linemen. Now, you add in the fact that he also had a fifteen point two pass rush win percentage, and that's why I have him in Stackhouse close. But I see the explosiveness and the twitchiness with Corleone, whereas I don't with Stackhouse. So, I man, it's I I, I kind of really love that you got him in the top five, so we Dude, were I able love to it. talk about him like this. Yeah. I
1: loved him. I loved his floor. I looked at him and I'm like, man, if I get him in the third round and he's a Dalvin Tomlinson type of player. Sure. My defense just got a lot better. Now, like you said, I agree with you. The pass rush upside of guys I have behind him, multiple guys I have behind him and not just Rook, not just Hall is way more tantalizing. Mm -hmm. But it's impressive when a guy is NFL caliber at something important right now and had the chance to go to the nfl and didn't and maybe he can win a third national title so
0: so i have a player at that i had at number five who is not in your top five you have two players now at five and four who are yeah. not in my top five i know who i'm gonna have in in my top three that you don't have in your top five at all but we'll get to that uh We'll okay. To, we'll get we'll get to we'll get to that in a little bit. I gotta shout out our friends at DraftKings first. If you want to get teaser. on the fantasy foot, what'd you say? Good teaser. Uh, there you go. Stay there tuned. You know, that's gotta that, you gotta listen to the ad. You gotta stay, you gotta stay <laughs> tuned. You gotta, you're making everybody, you're making everybody happy here. Uh, if you want to get in on the fantasy action, but if you're sick of managing your roster, sick of all the player injuries that are just ending your season after having a really good draft. Well, with best ball on DraftKings, you get the best of your roster all. Season long. This year, best ball on DraftKings is bigger and better than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest best ball contest ever and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer expires. To start playing best ball, all you got to do is download the DraftKings app, use the promo code PFF, enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, and then you just snake draft your team for the end of the season each week you will automatically get points from all your top scorers no ads drops trades or those like i should have played him regrets that you have every single sunday afternoon you don't need to worry about that uh teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the one million dollar top prize so if you're good at drafting this one's for you Uh, What are you guys waiting for? Head over to DraftKings app. Use the promo code PFF. Start playing best ball today. Join DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament, and you'll get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. Only on DraftKings with the promo code PFF. If you get a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with a $10 entry fee. Bonus issued as $10 DK dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Connor, I gotta get, I get give you a salute for my number four. Ooh, I gotta give you a salute. Because yeah. he was one of the first guys that you watched. Yes. And he was the last guy that I watched. In fact, we are recording this podcast on Sunday. I had a little extra time Sunday before we recorded, and I was like, oh, you know what? Connor mentioned this guy. Let me watch him. Now I got him in my top wow. five, my interior defensive line. Yeah, beautiful thing to see. Chris Jenkins junior from michigan if the name sounds familiar well yes his father chris played yes that chris jenkins played in the nfl for 10 years his second round draft pick four-time all pro defensive tackle jets legend oh jets legend hard knocks legend
1: Wait, why, chris was he a hard- jenkins,
0: why was he a hard knocks legend
1: there's this scene the last time the jets were on hard knocks before the 2010 season okay and obviously they will be again this year the best scene of that besides the famous Rex speeches is they do goal line in the rain pouring pouring rain and remember practices in the nfl and training camp were a lot different 13 years ago
0: they were indeed
1: they were pretty wild there's a goal line drill in the pouring rain joe Namath is at practice he's got his hood like his windbreaker on and you see the rain flying off the hood and rex is yelling at them everyone's yelling at everyone and they do a goal line drill and chris jenkins blows it up i think sanchez fumbles a snap and jenkins keeps blowing up the drill and he says get the fuck out of here this is my fucking drill at the end of the drill and i think the offense had to do push-ups like they lost the drill and he's just screaming he takes his helmet off and throws his helmet it's it's iconic scene in the rain it's one of my favorite i think no bias aside, like bias aside, I think it's one of the best Hard Knocks football scenes, like true football pads
0: on pad scenes ever. Well, Hard Knocks is also where we got the Rex Ryan speech where he's talking to the team and he's like, oh, like you want to fly under the radar like you want to be an underdog. that, yeah. that was Hard Knocks, right, where he's yeah. like, screw that, like you yeah, want yeah, to yeah. be the team. With the high expectations, because yeah. now you now you get to go out and prove everybody right or everybody wrong, who yep. however they're talking about you. So I have, I mean, I love that mentality too, man. Look, the underdog mentality is really fun. I've rooted yeah. for a lot of teams, certainly in the Tampa sports market, that have been known as the you know the smaller town underdog teams, and it's fun. It's 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 a fun way to do it, but it's also fun when you're the juggernaut and you get to go out there. And prove you're the juggernaut. I think that that's uh, that's also great. So I I love that speech by by Rex. But anyways, Chris Jenkins Jr. He's at Michigan. So Michigan's got him listed at six foot two and a half, and I think he I think they're they're saying that he's closer to three hundred pounds now. But I know last season he was closer to like two ninety ish, right? Like within like between you know two ninety 290, two ninety five is probably what he played at last season. Yep. For him to be the run defender that he is at 290, which remember, we listed a row, a row and uh, um Michael, Michael Hall Jr. right around like 285, right. 290, whatever it is. Chris Jenkins doesn't have that much more weight on him. And the man's an absolute anchor. He is, th- this was one of my favorite watches that i had and he ended up being that last prospect that i watched 22 total pressures last year so just an eight and 8.8 pass rush win percentage we'll get to that in a second but 29.2 positively graded run defense plays last year he missed only one tackle on 233 run defense snaps this guy was an animal for you to almost have one third of your run defense snaps be positively graded in our system and you're wrecking the game. You got to think about how run defense works in our grading scale for PFF. You know, when you do your job, when you do what is expected of you, you don't get a necessarily like a positive grade. You get what would be like an, like an even it's like, okay, like you did your job. You get, higher positive grades or higher negative grades by how far above and beyond or how f- much you fall short of doing what you were supposed to do. So for you to have that high of an impact as a run defender is pretty astounding. And especially for you to do it at 290, man, I was I was blown away. You can see the former NFL player in him right off the jump. I mean, he is so low in his stance getting off the ball. He uses leverage every single time he makes contact. There are offensive linemen that are even, you know, of similar size of him that don't have a prayer of getting underneath his shoulder pads. I mean, this guy is not... The ball is not snapped and he is not standing straight up to then hand fight against people. He is going straight at you as if he is going like underneath the tarp or underneath the table. You know, they talk about that for pass rushing. He's doing that with run defense too as he's getting into your chest because then the hands are coming up, they're at your shoulders, they're lifting you up. All of a sudden, the offensive linemen are on their heels and they got no idea what to do with it. Combo blocks. This guy, again, 290s, low 290s. We're looking at centers and guards. We're looking at, I watched the Ohio State game, and he went up against Dewan Jones, and he is holding this guy on the line of scrimmage. He's taking double teams, and he's not yielding a single yard. I just could not believe how high of a floor this guy had. I think there is room for him to grow as a pass rusher, but you can definitely tell on a talented Michigan defensive line, he's really honed in. On run defense like you can tell that is what he has worked on a lot over the last two years knowing once i get on the field once they trust me in run defense then i can start working on myself as a pass rusher then i can really work on that because he just doesn't have a ton of like pass rush moves he doesn't really have a a big pass rush plan right now he'll hand swipe on you he'll do a little bit of a swim move he'll hit you with a club rip every now and then but a lot of what he does is strength speed to power you know, attacking the half man, getting to the outside or inside shoulder, and then kind of, you know, bending and and, and ripping around the offensive lineman. That's really the extent of what he consistently does as a pass rusher. But I believe there's a little bit more in there as well. So you talked about the floor that you love when Hazir Stackhouse, man, I love the floor with Chris Jenkins Jr. The motor is always running hot. You could tell this dude just absolutely loves ball. And I would be shocked if he is anything lower. Than a second round pick with first round potential. That's how I view Chris Jenkins Jr. Dude, I you
1: nailed it. I'm with you all the way. I, I have him as the second best defensive tackle in this draft right now. I mean <laughs> I, I, I mean, hearing you talk about him, how can people not be excited about that? Here's yeah. the thing that I jumped out right away when I was done watching him. I was like, he's better than Mozzie Smith. He's better than Mozzie Smith. And there's a couple things to weigh here, right? a guy that big and athletic as Mozzie was is always going to be drafted a little earlier than you would expect compared to what the tape showed. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's to completely take away from the player Mozzie was coming out. But when you watch Jenkins in that Michigan defense last year, the way he affects the entire front seven alters the game week by week. He is so stout against the run. He is so strong. He is violent. Like you said, Trevor, he is technically so refined with his hands, his leverage. It's I, He's about 70 pounds lighter than his dad was, but which is
0: wild. His dad was a tank. <laughs> his dad was a, a mammoth, 360. It was also a, di- was also a different time. Right? Right. It was yeah, a different D.O.U. He's playing early 2000s. You're just trying to get as many pounds as you possibly can on somebody. So. That's
1: a very, very fair point. Jenkins is, you know, the thing with him is, and how, you asked the question, right, like how can he become a first round pick. Cause I, I think he's going to be a top 50 pick. How does he play his way into the first round? He's just got a lot of stalemates in pass rush mode right now. That 7.6 yeah. win rate. There's flashes where I'm like, he can do it. I saw him start to develop this, this counter spin move. He did it against Nebraska. And I was like, if you start honing in on that a little Ooh, bit, I didn't see
0: the Nebraska, you got to send yeah, me that one
1: against Nebraska. He, he countered with a spin and it, I was like, because the way he moves at that size, I was like, okay, like that's something to really work on. Uh, he could slide up and down the defensive line. He is just so nasty at the point of attack, like you said. I loved him, loved him. I I was a little surprised that he had to go back to school. Maybe he just wanted to, but man, he's in a really really good place in this class. You have him D line four. Yeah. I have him D. I have him D line two. Absolutely love the player. And I, I can't wait to watch him this year, because if he builds on how great of a run defender he is right now and how smart of a player he is and how technically refined he is with a little more pass rush flair, he could sneak into the back end around one. He really yeah, can. I so
0: def- I definitely agree.
1: That brings me to three D- for you, three, right? D line three. Here's my biggest projection of anybody I have in the rankings. That would be Leonard Taylor from Miami. Okay. This is one where there's a lot of meat on the bone here. He is the classic guy in the top five of, he could be a first rounder at the end of this year. He could be going going back to school. And I'll take the swing here at number three because I couldn't put him ahead of Jenkins because he is not nearly the player Jenkins is right now or my number one. But there's a lot to like with Taylor right now. There really is. And this is the beginning, not the beginning, because they've been a obviously a high profile program for a while, but I don't know if you've noticed this. And to reiterate, I am a draft analyst and I do a lot of NFL coverage. I am not a college football. F- I'm a fan of college football, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, fo- I follow the NIL and the recruiting process more loosely than anything else I do in football. Everything else takes higher priority because I, I don't talk about recruiting until a guy's a prospect. I don't talk about the NIL. It seems like from afar, Trevor Miami, has a lot of resources. They do indeed, they do indeed. Since NIL has taken off. yes. And Taylor, I'm not gonna say he's the first guy of that, but this is a former five-star recruit, okay? Mm. And it's not that Miami never got a five-star recruit before this, but Taylor's a former five-star, big expectations at the U. And you're starting to see why with what he did last year. In 2022, 10 and a half tackles for a loss. So this is a very explosive player. This is a player with a lot of burst. He had three sacks, he had an interception. As a true sophomore, so many guys in this class are fifth-year players or seniors. This dude was in year two, and he was starting to make some flashes of why he could be an upper echelon interior defensive lineman in this class. A lean 305 pounds allows him to play with that burst and quickness. 16.2% pass rush win rate in 2022. That's a pretty fat number, especially once again for a player as young as this guy. But when you have the athletic tools he has, he was winning against guards and centers consistently. Pop in his hands that enable him to disengage. And then he rushes very skinny through gaps. He knows how to dip his shoulder. He knows how to angle his hips to really he fit through bend. those gaps. He can bend. He can he's bend.
0: 300, he's 305 pounds, six foot
1: three, and he can bend. Legitimately, dude. There and they could play him on the edge. I mean, he is a very unique defensive lineman in terms of the athletic gifts he has. He is very effective at threatening to rush uh, rush wide against an offensive lineman with a big step but then he knows how to cross their face back inside. And it's when you're that quick at that size, the threat of the outside shoulder always scares the offensive lineman and it makes them cheat a little bit. But when you're also that quick and that big and you play skinny, you're going to be able to cross the face of that player a lot easier than your typical interior defensive lineman. I love that. He's got the two hand swipe cooking already. There was a couple two hand swipes where I was like, yes when you are that fast and agile and bursty and your hands have a little bit of lightning in them get the two hand swipe working because that's a quick win the thing with him right now of taking that next step there's quite a few times that he gets bumped around by powerful strikers and he doesn't reset the same as a 320 pound year four player he gets bumped he falls or he can't reset the rush Mm -hmm. i look at him though trevor and i say man You continue to get stronger. You continue to get some seasoning. You have pass rush gifts and athletic gifts that profile as a top 40 pick in most drafts. And that's what I see with Leonard Taylor right now.
0: I, so I have Taylor at two. I have have Leonard Taylor. I mean, I, I'm so
1: I didn't know this was one where I'm like, man, Trevor might not have him in the top five. I, am I taking too big of a swing here? I guess. I guess we're eye to
0: eye on this one. I well, I have a player in my top three that you don't have in your top five, so we've narrowed it down to that. I thought so. Going back twenty minutes ago in this podcast, when I said that I think I know who it is, I thought it was going to be Taylor. I thought interesting. I, was, I thought I was going to have Taylor too, and I thought you were going to have Taylor outside of your top five because because oh, no. because there's you you mentioned it. He needs seasoning, if you will, like keep playing. He needs he to keep just, more snaps, just, more snaps needs, this year. He needs more experience, there's no doubt about it. And I think that Miami's going to unleash him this year. Uh, plain and simple, they don't make him like Ryder right. Taylor. The 6 foot 3, 305 pound build. I mean, he looks like a super-sized linebacker who's playing 3 technique defensive tackle. Yes, it's, 100%. Uh, but he he has the build of a linebacker and it makes you think And when I say linebacker, I mean, again, super size, 305 pounds. He fills out that frame as good as you could possibly want a player with 305 that's not on insane amounts of anabolic steroids to fill out a 305 frame. And when I watched him in the middle of the Miami defensive line, I'm just looking at him before I watched my first snap and I was like, all right, what are we doing here? Like, is this guy going to be generational or is he just going to get pushed around the whole time just because he was athletic in high school? And I watch like two snaps and I go, okay, it's closer (laughs) to the former. I'm not saying saying, he is generational yet, but the mold is absolutely there for him. And and he graded out really well last year, um, even with a limited number of snaps. 16.2% pass rush win percentage. For a guy who still does not know what he's doing yet. Yeah, right. He's kind of out-athleting. Bullrush is insane. Basically had his way with whatever offensive lineman he was going up against. Um, He can shoot gaps better. Than basically any 300 pounder you're going to find um, lower body strength is incredible. No question about it. Super versatile player. I think he could play as a DN in a four, three and he could play all the way into a nose technique. If you need him to, if you needed him to, if you're running an odd front. So his versatility to me is um, is, is, is through the roof. It's simply just about having more pass rush moves. You know, he's got the hand speed. You mentioned what he was able to do when he's able to, to swipe away the hands of, of interior offensive linemen. You've seen him do, I, I, I watched him a couple of times just execute some devastating push pulls. I mean, we're talking. Oh, yeah. I'm we're talking. Ball is snapped. He's up into the chest. Offensive lineman's taking two stumbles back, and then all of a sudden, he is just throwing them to the ground next to him like it is nothing. Like they are a barrel of hay, you know. So, I think that uh, he's out of this world potential wise. So that's why I had him at number two.
1: Listen. <laughs> There's no argument there. This is the kind of prospect that you look at and go, what he was given to work with as a true sophomore, he has a massive opportunity here. Yeah, massive opportunity. I mean, this is a guy that, if I was writing a first-round mock draft today, I'd put him in there. I would, too. I'd put him in there because this is the type of player that makes a leap. and Honestly, for what he did as a true sophomore, that alone was impressive enough. So So. I have so I have two Can I guess who you have at three?
0: Please. At three,
1: this could go one of two ways. Is it Mason
0: Smith? It is Mason Smith. Damn, I'm good. (laughs) Do you have have him in your top five? I do not. Okay, so this that was that would have been my guess. My guess would have been for you to not have Mason Smith. And it does make sense, right? He's number
1: seven for me, and he was hanging on to the fifth spot for a very long
0: time. And this is so, going to be a really interesting combo that I understand. So here is why I, I could get it. And and I don't mean this as a cop out for anybody listening. If you wanted to have Mason Smith. I mean, DT one would be quite a projection, but if but you wanted to have will him, do, it. Right, will if, do it, if you wanted to have him in your top three, I will say of mm-hmm. of this really deep and talented interior defensive line class, if you wanted to have him top three it'd be like, okay, if you want to have him closer to six, seven, eight, like Connor does, I'd be like, okay. And right. again, not trying to say that as a cop-out, but there's a whole story here within. Former five-star defensive lineman. I mean, just one of the highest recruits that they had uh, in that class, that 2020 class, I believe it was. He played, no, 2021. He played as a true freshman for LSU and played a decent amount. And then last year, which was supposed to be his big breakout year, He plays seven total snaps in the FSU game in week zero and tears his ACL. So like last year was supposed to be the big like, okay, this is Mason Smith's time coming out party. We're going to be talking about him as a top 15 pick, whatever. And seven plays into his 2022 season, he tears his ACL. So everything that we're evaluating and watching is from a true freshman in the sec perspective and i'll also say that a a decent amount of his tape as a true freshman came as a defensive end they put him at defensive end a lot so i had to kind of sort his just plain old defensive tackle snaps when i was watching his film and i can't remember if it's close to 50 50 or not but it's not like this guy was even playing a rotational role just as an interior defensive lineman. The reason why they wanted to be so versatile with him and get him on the field however they could, he's six foot six, 310 pounds. Like he has the frame, the length, the size, the strength, the everything to be able to play as a strong side defensive end, as a five technique defensive end. Uh, he can obviously play as a three technique defensive tackle if he wants to, but you could put him as a four eye in tight fronts with three down linemen like LSU did quite a bit. And he's also got such great length and strength that sometimes they put him in nose tackle as well. So versatility is off the charts with him. And he is a player who I, I, my scouting report for him reads very similarly to that of Leonard Taylor. He just doesn't have a lot of experience. Yep. It's unfair to watch a guy's true freshman tape from two years ago and try to stack it up technically yes. with a player who's going to be, say, a senior. Right? It's just, You watch his tape and you watch Chris Jenkins' tape, and it's not going to look the same. It's not supposed to look the same. So this, to me, was a major projection type of a ranking. But just like I said for Leonard Taylor, they don't make them... No. Like they make Mason, right. Mason Smith. I mean, for him to be six foot six, 310 pounds, and yet really use leverage pretty well, especially when he remembers to keep that pad level low, not get pushed back when he does lose leverage, hold up as well as he does against double teams, be able to attack the outside shoulder as a defensive end like he did a little bit his freshman year, and have some devastating pass rush moves when he got the technique right. I mean, all that to me tells me, all right, it's all in front of you. You're crazy athletic. You're you're a math because his his measurables are ninety fifth percentile in height at six foot six, and then fifty sixth percentile in weight at three ten. I watched an interview with him recently where he said that he was closer to three fifteen, so it's gonna probably bump him into like the sixtieth percentile he's got the size he's got the length he's got the explosiveness he's got the natural strength to him he's got the quick twitch ability he just doesn't have the snaps so mason smith you could have him as a third round pick right now if you were saying he does not have the consistent technique to be able to play in the nfl i'd go okay i can't disagree with that statement but i also see people put him in the first round because they say it's only a matter of time that this guy stays healthy even coming off a torn ACL, that he could be one of the bigger forces in the interior defensive line at the pro level. So, wide range of of outcomes for him here, but if I project him to pick up where he left off last year, coming off of that ACL tear, is a player that's going to be a top 50 pick, I think.
1: Listen, it makes a lot of sense. I It was so interesting how torn I was on his whole ranking for this show because the tools are all there as a first rounder. There's no denying that he was good as a true freshman in 2021, but I almost went in with too big of expectations watching that tape. Mm -hmm. I thought this was going to be just a total freak as a freshman. And I came away. He had four sacks, right? Three of them were against, were against McNeese state. Right. And he had 12 hurries. Well, two of them were against McNeese Like he, he really was neutralized by almost everyone as a freshman. Besides, McNeese State and Central Michigan.
0: Yeah, those are the those are the two that have his highest grades. There's no doubt about it. And I was but like, okay, they, but and, there, and those are the those are the teams in the it, when you have a full SEC schedule, the teams that you can win off to just straight being a better athlete right. than the other people are going to be McNeese State yeah. and Central Michigan. All due respect.
1: He could have a no, you're right. He could have a massive year and, and end up in the first round like everybody expects. I, I think it's one of those where I had to pump my brakes a little bit and be like, let's see what the kid does this year. Hopefully he comes back as strong as everyone expected him to be in year two before the injury. And, and we'll see. And I'll be rooting for him the whole way. Um, I just thought this this class had a lot of established players and and it was tough to put someone that is not established yet in my eyes ahead of ahead of them. But it's, it's I hear you. But you're right, the counter-argument is when everybody reads the first mock drafts of the year at the end of August, this dude's going to be in almost every single one of them.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I, I think we see him similarly when it comes to the product that we watch from tape. It's just how you perceive it. It's just the lens in which right. you are watching what we see. Um, speaking of pumping your own breaks, before we get to number one, if you guys haven't heard yet, it's Smooth Sack Summer. When you're playing around in the summer sun, make sure you escape from pubes bum. That's right. This summer, you got to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with our fans, with our friends and fans, I guess. Over at Manscaped. The leader in below the waist grooming, they're making sure that you guys are going to have a ball this summer by giving you you by giving our pants partners everything you need to stay fresh. Dive in headfirst into Smooth Sack Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using the promo code PFF. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. They have built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The 4.0 also has a 7,000 RPM mower. (laughs) Mower? I mean, technically it is. It's, It's actually motor, but you could call it a mower also a multi-function on-off switch which can engage a travel lock as well if you guys are traveling and gives you the ability to turn on the led spotlight when you need more of a precise shave oh did i mention that the trimmer is waterproof too because it is beach lake shower this razor will devour man don't trim in the pool folks yeah that's a little you know
1: (laughs) wait is pool one of them did i say pool no, but you just said water, and you started naming all like places people swim Yeah, in don't do summer. it.
0: I, w- I mean, I wouldn't do it in the pool. If you wanted to do it in the pool, you could. But, you know. I guess are scientists, si- scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could. They didn't know whether should. they should. You get 20% off on free shipping when you use the promo code PFF at Manscaped.com. There's 20% off free shipping. Use the promo code PFF at Manscaped.com. It's time to get on more with Smooth Sack Summer with our friends over at Manscaped. All right, number one. If we don't have the same number one, something went horribly wrong. <laughs> We're
1: gonna have quite the discussion. Burn the boats if that happens. I
0: mean, God. Uh yours on Newton, right? Yep. Johnny Newton. Johnny, aka Johnny Newton from Illinois. I don't know. So I I see that like some people call him Johnny Newton on two four seven. That him, he's listed as a recruit as johnny newton but then illinois lists him as jerzon newton yeah so i've been we watching
1: this dude for i feel like a year now because he played in the illinois defense and the illinois defense was just loaded with nfl talent mm-hmm. and he had stupid high grades in our system for the last year now he didn't either. and i had no idea anybody calls him johnny until i watched one broadcast play today just to always, re- before we do the show, I always reconfirm that almost every name is is right. I watch broadcasts of or an interview with them saying how to pronounce it. Smart. That's why he's a pro. And it was like, Johnny Newton with the sack. And I'm like, who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so does was... he have a brother? <laughs> he actually does. He has... was... whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. His brothers oh. are all named the same. Not like the same name. Hold on. Close, though. It's It's extremely close. Is it all Jer and then something else and new? Yeah, basically. Hold on. Wow. I got it right here. Uh his brothers. Jervon, okay. Jerquan, Jerwan, Jer Do they all play football? Um, his brothers Jervon and Jerquan played at West Florida. Okay. And then his brother Jerwan played at Toledo. And then there's Johnny and then there's
1: Johnny is already one of the best players in this draft right now. Definitely He's the best player at his position. He's fun. Phenomenal. Finished 2022 with 59 tackles, five and a half sacks, 19 quarterback hits and 36 hurries for a 14.6% pass rush win rate. And Trevor, I wrote down when they let him, he can really get off the ball at his size. Oh yeah. For a dude that's, I actually like that he's more compact. He's 6'1 and 3'8, 300 pounds. It allows him to play to his strengths. He's built like a cannonball. Another guy that can move all over the defensive line, but I I thought he was an ideal three tech. Mm -hmm. Great vision and awareness against the run. He sees and sniffs out everything. Screens, outside runs, inside runs. Grip strength to relocate blockers is violent true definition of a worker bee man active hands active lower half lateral agility when the quarterback scrambles to the sideline to run and chase can split guard and center double teams with a swim move there is a play against Iowa where he's chasing the quarterback from the back side of the sideline and the sprint speed i saw on this guy forget the effort the effort was phenomenal but the sprint Always speed phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal effort The sprint speed I saw on this guy, I was like, whoa, he might be a big time tester at his weight when he could do that. Uh, Last thing before I hand the baton to you, knows how to find wins later in reps. Batted passes, counter moves, creating traffic in the pocket with pure power. There's really no, I'm kind of in a stalemate, this rep's over. It's always, okay, phase one of the rep maybe didn't go my way, and a lot of times it does go his way in phase one. I like that in phase two, it's what next? Do I look at the quarterback and bat down the pass? Do I relocate this guy to make the pocket muddy? Do I um, counter with a move because the pass rush is still alive? It's just, he's a smart player. He's a technically sound player. He's a good athlete. He plays hard. He has so much awareness and peripheral vision. Yes. He's a first rounder. This is what a first rounder looks like.
0: Yeah, to me, there's, there's, to me, there's no doubt about it. Uh, especially as it stands here today, you've got some other people in this interior defensive line class who might have higher ceilings, athletically, size-wise, measurables. But uh, Newton deserves to be in the category as one of the best defensive linemen going into this, uh, going into this draft class and into this season. Um, if not people's top interior defensive lineman going into this season, I love that you mentioned the awareness because the very first thing that popped out to me as I was watching a couple of games of his is hit. I love his eyes, his, he just sees the game so well. And not only does he anticipate and see the game so well, you mentioned the awareness and where his eyes should always be. I love the fact that there were, there was a specific play. I can't remember which game I watched. that was the first, but, He's one on one with the guard and then the center is looking for work and so like he's kind of near where Newton is and Newton gets off the snap and he gets into the and he gets into the guard and he's but his eyes the whole time are on the quarterback. His hands are already moving. He is already completely disengaging and getting around the guard, and it's like he's not even looking at him. You see his head stay straight where his target is, which is the quarterback and the ball, the entire time he was able to get up into place his hands in the right spot, disengage where the offensive, what the offensive lineman wanted to do, and get around him, like swim around his shoulder without even looking at the dude. And then the center comes up as well. And he then immediately puts his foot in the ground, goes the complete opposite way, gets across the center's face, all while still just staring at the quarterback. So he has such a great understanding of not only what he wants to do, but what other offensive linemen want to do that he does not even have to look at them. It's almost like getting loose, disengaging, Shooting a gap, getting beyond these guys is just second nature. It's just how fast can I do it? I have written in my notes under um, one of his strengths, stack and shed for him isn't just a goal. It's an expectation every single play. That is how consistent we are with this guy. The swim move is so quick and so deadly from him. I have here that he's he's basically the karate kid with how consistently fast the hands are moving at all times. He's so precise when he is slicing through zone blocking concepts to get into the backfield, to cut off the running back as they're finding the aiming point and trying to find uh, the cutback lane. Speed is just, a, it's a, it's an unmatched successful part of his game versus the rest of this class. I think he's a great run defender for his size as well. There are times when the lack of weight shows up a little bit, but I really do think that it's 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 not going to be that big of a deal especially with what he brings you I'll tell people there are some out there that talk about Michael Hall as one of the best or the best defensive tackle prospect in this class Newton already does what you want Hall to do he just does it more consistently and it's already on tape for him yep like the best version to me right now of Michael Hall is what new is what Johnny Newton. Johnny Newton's already doing. That's, they play a similar style game, but the quick twitch, the awareness, I, I mean, Newton's, Newton's awesome, man. I just, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, I echo a lot of what you said as well. He's both of our top interior defensive linemen for a reason. Uh, a lot of people over at PFF um, agree with that as well. I know Max Chadwick, uh, he loves he loves Newton as well. He had the chance to sit down with Newton. Did a fantastic feature piece for anybody who wants to go over to PFF.com. Just type in um, Jerzon Newton's name in the search bar. You'll be able to see that feature article. And he talks about a lot of the motivation of what he has for this year and how he knows what's on the line and where he wants to be drafted and the type of draft prospect he wants to be in. He knows what is at stake for him this year. So I think we're going to see an even better and even more motivated uh, Johnny Newton this year, which is pretty incredible, given what we saw the previous season. So I'm excited to watch him because he's one of those defensive tackle prospects that you go, oh man, if I need a three tech, I can't think of anybody better than what that guy's bringing to the table.
1: Without a doubt, and he's, you know, you try to stack him. He's better than every interior D line in last year's class, besides Carter. But yeah, 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 easily. He well, doesn't have I mean, it. What do you got? Oh, can't can't. I mean, I loved Cansey. Yeah, right. That's yeah, a big. That's a big statement. But they're so different still. Cansey's so unique. I always forget to really even lump him in with everyone.
0: I know. I think that he's the point is he's right there with Cansey, and Cansey was a first round pick. this guy's
1: this guy's a first rounder and he already does all of the mandatory things right that an nfl coach will want on their d-line i would agree he's in a great place you want to chop it up about maybe one or two guys that didn't make the cut here we did get to do a lot of them because we had some different rankings on the back end
0: we did um let's recap the top fives because somebody mentioned that in the comments we didn't do that the last couple of episodes and uh, we definitely need to be better at that. So my number five was Michael Hall from Ohio State. My number four was Chris Jenkins Jr. from Michigan. Three was Mason Smith from LSU. Two was Leonard Taylor from Miami. And then one was uh, was Johnny Newton from Illinois.
1: So five for me was Rook Arororo, the defensive lineman out of Clemson. Four was Nazir Stackhouse out of Georgia. Three was Leonard Taylor out of Miami. I know you had him at two chris jenkins from michigan is my number two interior d lineman and then of course johnny newton at number one he is consensus on stock exchange as idl
0: one right now so the guy that i want to give a shout out to he's number seven right now on the interior defensive line for me makai wingo from lsu so okay another i didn't get LSU, to him another lsu guy um he was at missouri i believe yeah he played his first season at missouri before transferring over to lsu last year was his first year at lsu under brian kelly and i thought that this was really interesting mckay is only a junior he only played one year at lsu and he was chosen by brian kelly to be one of their three players to represent the school at media days this year at sc media days to me that kind of speaks very loudly yeah. of what brian kelly thinks of uh of makai wingo and there's a lot to like about him there really is he is twitchy man i mean the finesse points of his game so i guess i should uh, I'll, i won't give the entire breakdown of him but six foot one he's shorter that's only ninth percentile 295 pounds so he's just sub 300 uh that's in the 24th percentile when you have an under 300 interior defensive lineman, you want to see speed, right? You want to see fast footwork. You want to see the ability to, okay, can I flip the hips once I get to the outside or inside shoulder? Can I turn the corner a little bit to get to the quarterback? Do I have the fast hands? Do I have the burst off the snap? You want to be able to check all those boxes when you are giving up mass and strength in the middle because you got to be able to stand out. Wingo does that. Wingle brings you all of those speed elements of playing the position at a lower weight that you definitely want to see. Now, the reason why he's not somebody who breaks my top five I can get a little bit reckless and get a little bit out of a gap at times. Like there are times when he just says like, all right, I'm across the face and I'm going to get into this gap and I'm going to get right into the backfield. And there were a handful of times where I watched him do that. And I know the old criticism of PFF, you don't know the play kind of a thing, but from watching the other defensive linemen, I'm like, okay, you weren't supposed to do that. And there was a massive rushing lane that then opened up when you got out of your gap that way. So I'm assuming you probably freelanced and tried to get in the backfield and it didn't work. So I think there was a little bit too much of that with his tape. Um, I, I think that the bull rush speed to power is definitely his go-to move um but when that doesn't work he doesn't have a ton of pass rush counter moves so when his he is he is a prospect where if you were to watch the best of makai wingo you'd go top five in this class no question about it top 50 player but when you watch the games in their entirety when those initial pass rush moves don't work he, he has a difficult time getting off the blocks, uh, getting where you want him to go, not getting you know angled or not getting walled off. So uh, it's very much a high-low part of his game, but I'd love to see those highs be a little bit more consistent because, man, was he fun, especially when he's able to flip those hips and attack one of the shoulders of, of defensive linemen. He's got a really good one-two combo on the push-pull. Um, then when interior offensive linemen get, get too aggressive to combat it, uh, he, he'll he hit him with swim move. And I saw that a couple of times, too. So it it's not that he doesn't have a plan. He just doesn't do it as often as you would think that he could. He's got a nice little one-two combo, but we need a little bit more than that from him. So I, I liked him a lot. It was just a bit of a roller coaster for me.
1: Hearing that, it makes you realize the kind of talent they have on that front. Oh, is LSU is stacked. We haven't even gotten to Harold Perkins. That yet. I was going to say, it's, we're about a week away from that one. So... I definitely got to get eyes on him. I'll Wait, give is, a quick...
0: Isn't per- Perkins a true sophomore, though? Oh,
1: no, he is. You're right. Oh, my yeah. God. We're, oh, about, my we're God. about
0: We're about a week and one year
1: away from <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I meant to say that. I always forget that because that's how impressive he is.
0: I know. He's good. He's good, I'll too. Give,
1: I'll give one shout out to more of a depth guy in this class, but mm-hmm. I thought he did some really good things, and that's uh, Tavondre Sweat on Texas. Sure. Yeah, I watched him. 6'4", and an 8, 346 a beefy guy kind of thought he was you know the lesser version of Stackhouse. i would say he's this big clogger yeah yeah um i wrote he's the size of a small camper
0: (laughs) i mean sure he's huge dude dude. did did you know that he was so he was a three-star defensive end prospect okay coming into texas he weighed 260 When he showed up to campus. Well, a couple trips to the cafeteria later. Now he weighs almost three (laughs) forty-five. Yeah.
1: Oh, and he looks every bit of it on the field. He might be topping that. Honestly, he's
0: he's he's tanked up.
1: He's just a massive amount of gap clogging beef. I mean, forces runners a different way. Can hold double teams. I thought he had a really nice push pull when he when he rushed, but he plays high. There's really no creativity in his game at all. And you know what, though? This dude's played 48 games in his career at Texas already.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He's an early down run stuff and kind of player with maybe a little bit of a little bit of flash as a pass rusher, but not much consistency at all as a pass rusher. So he'll be in the all star circuit. He'll probably be a senior bowl guy. And somebody that obviously will be drafted, I think, in the first five rounds.
0: Somebody that I, I did want to shout out before we got out of here. A lot of people are going to talk about Tyreek Williams, and and he's the oh, other yeah. Ohio State defensive people tackle. Really like him. Yeah, and and I can see why there are flashes for him, but it's definitely only flashes right now, in my opinion. He's kind of like borderline one of the ten, one of the like top ten guys. Um, can't remember if I had him like like ten or eleven, but a, a story about him that makes him so interesting and why. I've got to back off on him until I really see more. Not only do I want more snaps from him, not only do I want more of a full-time role, which I think we'll get this year. I read that Williams weighed 365 when he showed up to Ohio State. He then dropped 30 pounds and, no, he then dropped like 40 pounds and played his sophomore year at 320 and now he weighs like 295 and i have that from a very good source that he now weighs something around like 295 so this dude has lost 70 pounds in three years since he got on campus i mean you are a totally different player if you're losing gaining 70 pounds either which direction so I know a lot of people like kind of what they saw from him in flashes, but I can't even watch Williams' tape at 320 that we saw as a sophomore and compare it to what he might be at 295 this upcoming year. Cause I don't know which weight you're going to look more comfortable at. I don't really know how to project what you're going to be at the NFL level. Are you going to stay at 295? Are you going to stay at 300? Are they going to want you to bulk back up to 320? you're not going to be as effective that's a lot of moving parts right so those are that's my that's my thoughts of Williams and why Williams just he I, I did not consider him anywhere near my top five because it's I, I just don't know what to think about him but yeah that's we, why they play the games we why, that's why we don't, we don't, this podcast
1: doesn't stop. If he has a great September, guess who you're going to hear about on Stockwatch at the end of September? Tylek Williams.
0: There so, it is, folks. Make sure you tune in. Smash subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. But don't go anywhere. Seriously, we would love to hear from you guys as well. This is a deep interior defensive line class, and it's a lot yeah, of notable is. names, a lot of names that I think that uh, plenty of people but have. Kyron's have... the guilty hand. You want to know something funny?
1: Yeah, sure. When you and I were deciding what to do next week, I knew this was going to be a crazy week. I was moving. Yeah. And... Uh, it's just really madness. And I was, um, we were texting back and forth and we were like, what should we do as we move to defense? We we'll always start up front edge or D line. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, well, let's do interior D line because I feel like I'll get through that group quicker with less time I have with the move <laughs> and edge almost feels like wide receivers where it's like,
0: yeah, you know, you, so you know,
1: you're, you go from watching like 11, 12 guys to maybe upwards of 20 plus. And as I got into this group, I'm like, "Damn, this group's deep." Yep, <laughs> a lot of guys to watch. Like, I, I woke up Sunday. We record Sunday evenings usually. This show. I woke up Sunday, and I had a couple cold ones on Saturday. Shout out to Modelo. And <laughs> I I shot out of bed on Sunday. I was like, "Nope, cold brew. Get it going. I need to get tape. I need to get tape going for the next seven hours." It's it's funny how things work, and you know, yeah. it's a good surprise like that. It's good when you're like, you'd rather the class have that than the opposite where man you and i have had some groups and we we text each other and we're like bro it's kind of cheeks so i'm looking for a dude at number 11 here like <laughs> so it's nice when it goes the so other not, way yeah we
0: don't even get that far like there yeah. have been times when over the last two years when you and i've I, I get to like eight players in a class and i go okay like what good. am i supposed to do like <laughs> no, what, what do you want me to do i'm good here no but this is very different and honestly It feels very different about almost every position in this class it really does and i I was having this conversation with somebody the other day i really do believe that this class this 2024 class is going to be one of the deepest draft classes all around that we ever scout because it's the last year where that covid year of eligibility allows us to watch 6th year players who might not be like horrible six-year players. They just didn't get a first-round, second-round grade, so they have a free year to go back to college football. Now they have NIL, so they're going to do it. Like before, if you had guys who were redshirt seniors, grad seniors, whatever, they were probably barely draft-eligible players. This year, for a lot of different positions, you're going to get grad transfers and redshirt seniors that – could be third round picks, like could be right. second round picks. And then you throw in, okay, now you've got regular seniors. Now you've got the first time draft eligible juniors, right? So I think this class is gonna be incredibly deep. I think the interior defensive line class was a microcosm of that. We mentioned a ton of names. Uh guys like Tyler Davis as well from Clemson, Keith Randolph from Illinois, totally. McKinley Jackson from Mississippi State. Like, we know mm-hmm. that you guys have heard a lot of these big time names. We would love to hear from you as well. Let us know what you thought of our top fives and our analysis on some of these players but we'd love to hear from you as well give us your top three if you got a top three a top five a top 10 whatever it is the youtube comments it is a message board for draft fans that is what we want it to be hit us up youtube.com backslash at nfl stock exchange while you're there smash like on the video smash subscribe on the channel we would really appreciate it if you're audio only you could also hit us up uh at tampa bay Trey, at connor j rogers on well, I was gonna say Twitter, but like, is is it is it X now? What you is see- going on? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Show, I, I don't. I was know.
1: searching for something I favorited to read on this, and all of a sudden, I saw people talking about it being rebranded, and I was like, "This can we not for one day?" Yeah, hit us up on X. Yeah, X threads. That actually sounds uh, Pinterest. That, that stock that, exchanges on Pinterest. Yeah. The- <laughs>
0: That instagram twitter threads whatever it is tampa bay tray connor j rogers hit us up there um let us know whether or not you thought the madden sim was rigged or not love to hear from that as well yeah i personally think it was a you know it was just it was a well-officiated good healthy competition between two great teams and um one team just happened to come out on top i don't know what to tell you that's but crazy how that works out year two
1: in a row <laughs> Man, before <laughs> justin jefferson two catches 23 yards
0: Get locked down, baby. JC Horn. Career yeah. year coming up. He's T- winning. Tariq all Will and
1: put the clamps on Justin Jefferson. You
0: heard it here first. I'm Trevor Sick, but that's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.